BioInsights podcast. This episode is called Exploring the Landscape of Novel Targets and Pathways in Immuno-Oncology. I'm Lauren Coyle, an editor with BioInsights, and in this episode we'll be exploring novel targets and pathways in the immuno-oncology space with a focus on the development of small molecule and antibody targets. Joining me today is Yvonne McGrath. Yvonne is a Chief Scientific Officer at ITO's Therapeutics, who has over 20 years of international expertise in the field of oncology drug discovery and development. She has led research and development initiatives guiding lead candidates from initial research phase to clinical trials. Thank you for joining us today, Yvonne. Could you start by briefly describing your experience in cancer research and your current role at ITO's Therapeutics? Sure. So I started out back immediately after my PhD back in 2000, and I joined a company in the UK known as Biovex. And there I started, that was the beginning of my career in oncology, and I started working on oncolytic viruses and dendritic cell vaccination strategies. I spent about seven years there before I moved on to a company that became known as Immunocore. And there I was responsible for re-engineering and taking their very first bispecific, which was an anti-CD3 TCR bispecific. I took that into the clinic after re-engineering it and took it through to phase two studies. Um, That drug has gone on now to be launched on the market. It's now known as Kimtrak, and it's used for uveal melanoma patients. I was attracted away from the UK to Belgium, and I spent uh, six years as the chief scientific officer in a company called Complex, and there we were developing a novel platform technology. But I was eventually attracted away to ITS, where I've been the chief scientific officer. And I'm responsible for building the pipeline you know, putting more drugs into the clinic, more exciting drugs in the clinic, but also the scientific strategy and understanding, because we have a big translational medicine piece, understanding how best to use our drugs in patient populations. That's great. Thank you. It sounds like some interesting work you've done. So could you then give me some more background on the novel targets and pathways development platform at ITOS and how does this represent and advance on previous work? So we have a very big play in the adenosine pathway. We're big believers in the immunosuppressive effects of adenosine. It's well established, but thus far, people have not been able to drug that pathway successfully. And we think we have some fantastic insights there that have built on previous knowledge and that have allowed us to drug that in a new way and in a different way. And we think that, you know, this will hopefully benefit patients eventually. And the insights we've had are essentially on the concentration of adenosine in the tumour microenvironment. We've been able to measure better than anybody before us the levels that you find actually within tumour tissue using some really advanced techniques like mass spec. And what we've been able to show is that the levels are far higher than people had previously appreciated. And to cope with that, we have developed a novel drug in Upadland that is able to work in those very high adenosine concentrations and interact with the, the major adenosine receptor, the A2A receptor. So we, But also, we've also been able to identify a brand new mechanism of action of adenosine-mediated immunosuppression 
And we've been able to drug that as well. That has been underappreciated and, and not recognised, actually, by the adenosine community. And we have a new drug there that we haven't really been talking about publicly, but I can say that it's in phase one dose escalation. And we're looking forward to going public with that next year and, and revealing what's behind the curtain, essentially. And we're very excited about it. We also have a, a TIGIT drug. And there we're very proud of the TIGIT that we've developed. We think that we have gone down the right avenue with having a fully functional IgG1. We're very pleased to have been able to show that that causes Treg depletion in patients, both in the periphery, but more importantly, we can see that in the tumor tissue. Very excited to have been able, you know, our translational medicine data and our efforts in translational medicine have been able to translate to that um, finding. I'm very pleased with that. And we think that will benefit patients. If you get rid of immunosuppressive Tregs, it will make a difference in patients. So and so these are our big areas that we have in the clinic right now. But of course, we're forever looking for novel ways to drug the tumor microenvironment and modify it in ways that will make that tumor microenvironment more amenable to either novel therapies or indeed to standard of care. So that's the area that we work in is really understanding the immune system within the tumor microenvironment. Can you tell us more about the research and development pipeline that this work fuels? We see our research work in, in three ways. And I, I would like to introduce something that we're quite excited about that is in a new endeavour that we have going on in ITS. Of course, we do in vitro work, like everybody, and we also do some in vivo work um, to try and understand how what our drugs are doing to the tumour microenvironment before we put them into patients. We also put a lot of effort into translational medicine and looking at those big data sets that allow us to figure out which particular patient population may be amenable to the drug that we're wanting to, wanting to test. But a new initiative in uh, the lab has been to start bringing in freshly resected tumour tissue from uh, patients who are undergoing tumour resection as part of their standard of care. And what we've been doing is bringing that in as quickly as possible because it needs to come in still alive. Um, and then we can resect that. It's very, it's almost like an art rather than a science. And we have to learn a lot about that particular technique, but I'm pleased with the way the work has been going. But when we bring those tissues in, we can slice those into small little slices and we can apply the drug and we can see how that particular tumor tissue reacts to having either a novel agent or one of the drugs that we have in the clinic right now. We can see how that tumor reacts. And of course, then it opens up a whole load of possibilities. We can do combination works and figure out on the tumor tissue itself, which particular combinations are giving us the most interesting biology. And then we can also look at the tumor tissue itself where we're getting response and try to figure out what was it about that particular tumor tissue that was giving us that response and can we then extrapolate that into the clinic and figure out which patients are going to be the individual patients who may benefit from either a new therapy or indeed a particular combination so it's a very very powerful technique and we're able to apply that to multiple different tumor types and this is an endeavor that's it's really exploding in the lab and we think this is going to be the third pillar in drug discovery and drug development that allows us to really better close the gap between what you predict is going to happen from your preclinical studies and what then actually happens when you go into clinical trials. 
There has been an increased interest surrounding personalised medicine. Do you think this will help with its development? It has an obvious endpoint of being a great way of validating personalised medicine or indeed even trying to um, develop a brand new personalised medicine. Immune oncology is not a natural home for the very specific, purest form, shall we say, of personalised medicine. We think of it more in terms of groups of patients or subgroups of indications. You know, the immune system within a particular tumour within one indications could actually be far more like what the immune system looks like in a completely different indication in a different patient. So we see it more in terms of trying to track and map the tumour microenvironment between different groups of patients. But you're right, you could use that particular technique as an amazing way of eventually you know, getting and validating a, a pure personalised medicine approach. So how would you describe the impact made by small molecule targets in the clinical setting? And do you see any specific areas or aspects that require more focus moving forward? Yeah, so the use of um, small molecules in the immune oncology space is not as, quite as common as using antibodies. Um, we're unusual in ITS in that we have the capability of doing both. We have our own in-house medicinal chemistry group, and we work with some of the best suppliers in the world for developing antibodies. And I think this is really nice because it gives us the ability to target anything we want to that we think is going to be the best way of modulating biology. We can open up our minds to things that are both intracellular as well as extracellular. And I think the intracellular has probably been underserved in terms of immune oncology because most companies are more inclined to go after the cell surface molecules. It's not surprising because immunology is very much controlled by how the interaction between ligands and cell surface molecules. So it does make sense. But it has resulted, I think, to a certain extent in that intracellular signaling to have been perhaps a little bit underexploited. And I think there's a lot of value potentially there trying to figure out what might be a better way of tackling a particular biology that's important in immune oncology. Have you seen any progress in antibody targets lately and what would be the keys to furthering their development? So in terms of antibody, I'm, I'm a big fan of the novelty. I don't think great breakthroughs happen because people are doing something slightly different from what somebody has done before. If you think about my history, I was involved in the development of the first oncolytic viruses. I was involved in dendritic cell vaccination strategies before even immune oncology became a thing. And then in my time in Immunocore, I was part of the team that developed the first TCR-based bispecific. And Two of those have made it to the clinic, are now being used to treat patients, and they were extremely novel at the time. And I think that's where your great breakthroughs come, is when you think about the biology and how you can harness. I mean, biology is huge, it's complicated, it's amazing, and there's many ways that we can intervene with biology. And I think the more novel approaches, the ones that think outside the box, we don't need to make another breakthrough like an anti-PD-1. We don't need another one of those. Everybody has been chasing another one of those. I think that's a lot of wasted energy. We need to think beyond PD-1. You need to think beyond CDA T cells. You need to think about all the other immune system players that you find within the tumor microenvironment. And think about how do we generate antibodies or indeed small molecules that change their biology in order to make 
and that tumor microenvironment more beneficial for the patient rather beneficial for the tumor. That's where I think the great breakthroughs will be made. And that could be through, as I say, anything. It could be small molecule, large molecule, bispecific. And there are other approaches as well. I think we need to try as many as we can with as many novel approaches as we can. And I think that way we progress, we move science forward, and we make it more likely that we will generate drugs that truly will benefit patients. What challenges are currently facing the IO field in terms of targeted therapies and how could these be addressed? Greatest challenge that is the IO space faces is the fact that IO is likely to work largely in conjunction with other drugs. When you're tackling the immune system, you need to tackle it as the system that it is. It is not just one cell type, it is multiple different kinds of cells. And even within each individual cell type, there are subtypes of cells that express different receptors, etc. And they work in concert with one another. It's called the immune system for a reason. It is a system. And so therefore, the best way to try and tackle it is by tackling different aspects together at the same time. And that involves combinations. And combinations are challenging in the clinical trial space. They're difficult to do. They're hard to justify in terms of moving forward. You have to have a lot of vision to be able to keep going, despite the fact that it's not very clear clinical data. So that's our greatest challenge, is how do you keep progressing clinical development and keep people on board whilst you're trying to get through these larger, in general, clinical trials that you need to be able to prove that the addition of this new drug is beneficial above and beyond what is potentially standard of care. And there I'm only talking about adding your new agent on top of standard of care. The ideal would be that we start adding novel agent on top of novel agent. And from a clinical development perspective, that's even more challenging still, especially when we have to think about the confines of Project Optimus, whereby we have to show what is the optimal dose of each individual drug. And also you're carrying the complexity of two novel agents thinking about their specific toxicity profiles and how they might interact with one another. But I do think that's where you're going to see the greatest benefit for patients. And it's how do we keep pushing through that and maintain our optimism through what are longer clinical trials and more difficult clinical trials? Perfect. Thank you. And finally, could you sum up one or two key goals and priorities for your own role and ITOs as a whole over the foreseeable future? I see twofold. One is thinking about the drugs that we have currently in the clinic. My job is to think about how do we figure out which are the, the patients that are going to benefit best from those particular therapies. So that requires a lot of good quality translational medicine. It's slow but it needs to be done properly. And that for me is a real critical role. These drugs will not work across the board in absolutely everybody. There will be patients who will benefit more from that particular treatment than another patient. It's what the oncologists really want. It's what we should be trying to do for those patients, because there is no point in exposing a patient to a drug that they're not going to benefit from. And then, of course, they have the risk associated with the drug but they're also precluded from going on and trying something else that might have been more beneficial for that patient. So in terms of what we have in the clinic is trying to figure out which are the right patients to be treating, but also what are the right combination strategies? Where do we put this in terms of combination? Which drugs are going to work best with our drugs? 
in order to optimize that benefit in those patients. In terms of though the pipeline and feeding the pipeline, that's my other job, is thinking about what are the best strategies to, as I say, I'm looking for that groundbreaking change in the tumor microenvironment that truly will benefit patients, will make that significant difference. What are the best targets and what is the best way of developing drugs against those targets so they are best in class, first in class, so that we can, you know, take those forward and get them into patients and put them through their paces. So building that pipeline with truly interesting, innovative, promising drugs is my other challenge. And then, as I say, figuring out how best to treat those patients and which particular patients are going to benefit. Thank you for joining us today, Vaughan, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bio Insights podcast if you enjoyed listening.